0: It gets done through you all and through Eddie. We're going to pray, to, pray this morning and come back into this section um, and see how far we can make it. Um, but let, Let's start off with a prayer. Lord, as we, we pray today, we come before you on a snowy day. Keep people safe. Keep them safe. Keep them warm. Lord, uh, more than that, you remind us, though we complain about it, that you provide that the snow that that we shovel today, Lord, brings moisture to the ground tomorrow, and uh, and with it, growth. And so thank you, Lord, for even those things that we tend to complain about. Today, Lord, as we uh, open up your word, we're just going to ask again that you uh, serve us through it. Lord, help us to see a little bit of ourselves in this word. Uh, Challenge us to do that. And then, Lord, uh, allow us to, to be the church that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, let's say it together. Amen. We, um, I want to I just kind of, we're in, we're in this last section in Romans uh, 15, and um, we kind of started with verse 14 last week. I'll do a quick summary of that, and then we'll move on. And to kind of put a little bit of context around it, I want to start off with the word bold bold what does it mean to be bold in jesus christ what does it mean for a church to be bold in in jesus christ Um, some years ago i was reading a book and i think really what caused me to read the book was just the question of stewardship and as a pastor you go through life and you you know you you realize that that um, church is, is about you know, life together, but there's there's budgets and bills and that kind of stuff, and so somebody comes along at some point and puts pressure on you. Like, how how are you going to pay for all these things? Um, at Messiah Lutheran Church, that person was Tom Gangline, who is now in heaven. Tom would stand up on a chair and he'd say, "How are we going to pay for it?" And I'd say, uh, "Okay, Tom. Well, stewardship is really nothing more than talking about how how do we how do we together." go through this war that's always inside of us. And it's a war. And sometimes it's not just inside of me. Sometimes it's inside of a marriage. In fact, most often it's inside of a marriage. One person goes through the war of themselves, and the war is, it's mine. Um, you want me to do what? You want me to let go of this? No, I, not, not, no. OK, I'll let go of a little bit of it. I'll let go of a little bit of it. That's a war that goes on inside every one of us until god finally takes us and he shows us what it means to let go what does it mean to let go Uh, in my life that happened uh easily when i was a little kid uh and i you know i started my own lawn mowing business and made some dollars and the i I, I thought it was like hey yeah what is this a tithe yeah let's let's do that well that's when you're a little kid you start getting a little bit older more needs more you're like oh we can't afford that no, we can't do that. And, and of course, then you, you're called by God. Like, what are you, you going to do with this? I, I want to bless you. And I, and I will. Let, let go of this. Um, probably the biggest turning point in my life was um, when our daughter was born. And she uh, came at a, at a not good time for us in terms of human planning. Uh, We didn't plan that first pregnancy, Um, God did. We had other plans. When faith came, uh, insurance at the seminary was not required of students and we couldn't afford it. So here's Ann with lupus, special needs, specialty kind of deals going on in the hospital. I had no idea how am I gonna ever pay for this. And to make a long story short, I couldn't pay for it. I I set up an account with the hospital and I figured, well, it'll probably be well into my first, second, third year of ministry that I actually pay this bill off. And God had other plans. And his other plans really involved uh, a church I had never been to, didn't, didn't worship, and never, never heard of them before, really. But they uh, had, had called the seminary and had asked the question, is there a seminarian that we could bless, we want to help? And the seminary gave them our name. And um, I will never forget the day I walked up to this little rickety mailbox and pulled out an envelope and opened it up in my office and checks poured out of it. And um, by the time all was said and done, that bill was paid for. And um, I had, I had uh, this argument with Ann. I did. And, and our argument, I was like, Ann, look, we serve the church. We, we work in the church. We're giving our time. We're doing all that. We can't tithe, Ann. We're tithing. No, you didn't hear me. We, we, no, we're, we're tied. Sometimes that battle is not just in us; it's in our marriages. And I've had a lot of people over the years tell me, "Oh boy, I don't know about this Tithe thing," and so people fight fight about it. So here I was, and I was reading this book because I wanted to to understand better how do you how do you help people get there? And I I don't know that you can. I think it's something that God does with us. He takes us on that journey, but Here's here's my point. This story pops up in this in this um, book, and it's it's about a church where they were going to do this building campaign, and so they they did all the things you do to do a building campaign. You know, they had this consultant come in, and they they had this big big day that they planned, and we're going to put some dollars in into this thing, and it's going to start this campaign, and they put all these dollars, this was, this was in Texas, so they put all these dollars and checks and pledges into this boot. And the pastor describes this moment, that he's got this big boot sitting up on top of the altar, and he's he's praying, and all of a sudden he says, now this is a Pentecostal church, but I, I understand this. He says, I'm praying, and it's like God just says to me, give it away. And this pastor said, um... I mean this is all going on inside him while he's praying. It's like, um, no, uh, we're building a building. Uh, it's gonna cost a lot of money. People gave it to this thing, give it away. No no god, god you're not <laughs> that's a funny thought, Lord. That's really a beautiful thought, but no, we don't no we don't give it away. We uh, we're we're gonna we've gotta yeah, we're gonna give it away to the bank because we're gonna build this building. I mean that's what we're gonna do, give it away. He says, I didn't know what to do. He turned to his congregation. He says, I I'm I'm struggling, I'm having this prayer, and God's telling me something different that I don't want to hear. He's telling me we, we should give this away. He says, Well, I'm not going to do anything today. We're going to I'm going to bring our elders together, we're going to pray about it and see what God wants us to do. They did that. They they came together, they prayed over it. And um, the next Sunday they got up and they said, This is no longer a boot. We're giving it away to this community. And and uh, he said it was the weirdest thing he'd ever lived through in his entire life, just this sense of, "I don't know now what to do, because we, I mean we did, we did tell the bank we were going to build this building." He says, "You know what happened with that is the community received this tithe, and then God blessed that church in a way that he could never have expected. I remember reading that and thinking, what kind of boldness, what kind of boldness does it take? to stand in that person's shoes and to say to your church and then to your leaders, thank you for giving all this money. We're going to give it away when everybody knows, no, this is going to go to build our church. I'm saying that. I want to give you a little bit of a handle because I think we read the Bible sometimes too casually. Like, as oh, a nice story. I've read this one before. And as you're getting into the end of, of Paul's journey with the people in Rome, there's a handoff that's got to take place. right? Paul... We go back into Acts chapter 20. We already know Paul knows. Who told him? Who told him? Paul knows, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna go to Rome, I'm gonna die. Who told him? His name was Agabus. Remember Agabus? Agabus said, Paul, here's what's gonna happen is you're, you're gonna go to Rome, you're gonna die. Paul knows that. And uh, so as I, as I finish out my journey here on Earth, there's a few places that I need to go. Spain, Jerusalem, Um, Jerusalem particularly, but I want to come to Rome. And there's a boldness in his voice. And that boldness is the same kind of boldness that you get in you when you realize, no, the Spirit has called us, me, us, the church, to something we can't do. Isn't isn't that the point of the boot? Isn't that the point of that moment where this pastor has, has being said, I'm calling you to do something that will put you in a position where you absolutely are in full dependence upon me and recognize that you can't do it. And that's Paul's voice as you get into this last section. He's commending, uh, if you go to verse 14, we'll just repeat a little bit of this, he's commending the people um, because he sees in these little house churches in Rome, he sees in them a couple of things that are commendable, right? Uh, verse 14, I'm satisfied, actually the term filled up about you, that you yourselves are full of goodness. We spent time on this last week. The actual verb there references not just, hey, we're good people or we're, hey, we're going to be good to you. It references the of a group of people to love those who are other than themselves. And that's, that's really what Paul is, is um, commending here. He says, that fills me up. I watch you. When you go out into this world, you are able to love people who are different than you. That's important. Why? Because they're going out into a primarily Gentile world where uh, as, as Jews, they've been raised up to believe what? You, the Gentiles are bad. They're, they're not God's people. And so he's saying, I, I commend you. I'm satisfied. I'm filled up by that fact that this is who you are. You're people who, who love as Jesus loves. Secondly, he commends their, their ability uh, to instruct one another through knowledge. And again, last week we used, we used the Greek here, the term is gnosis, so it's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. You've got a relationship with Jesus Christ that allows you, as a, as a body, to e- equip and teach one another. Um, really critical in a body, if you're going to do ministry well, uh, you have to be able to speak into one another through, through a word that sometimes instructs us, sometimes does what? Um, 2 Timothy three sixteen. sometimes God's word is used for what? To not just instruct us, but to do what? To challenge us. Uh, or to call us out of something that we're stuck in. And he says that, that's going to make you strong as a church. So he's commending them. Uh, but he's also, look at these very next words, he's also wanting to be and has been, throughout the book of Romans, bold with them. Here's this word, bold. Uh, verse 15, but, here's the but. It's kind of like the Revelation. You know, Jesus speaks to the seven churches of the Revelation every single time he starts with a commendation. I commend you for this. But, Jesus says it more, more strongly. He says, but this I have against you. Paul simply says this, but, on some points, I have written to you very boldly. Why? Why is Paul being bold? By way of reminder. Because I want to remind you of something. What I want to remind you of uh, has to do with the calling God has given me and now I've given you. What is that calling? Well, he says, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, that's the calling that we have. So I'm being bold about that calling. I'm saying to you, I've said some hard things to you, some bold things to you, because we have to be that. We have to be bold as we go out into the Gentile world. Um, He says, in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the... I love this this picture language. So that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that kind of a beautiful word picture? That... Guess what? You're you're going out. You're gonna you're gonna see God work, and and the offering that we're bringing is an offering of people of Gentiles that now will fill up fill up heaven. Verse 17, he says, "In Christ Jesus, then I have very this is where I wanted to pick up. In, in Christ Jesus, then I have have reason to the English here says to be proud of my work for God. Uh, the Greek used here again is kalkein, so again it means to be bold about. So uh, when he talks about being proud of his work for God, uh, really, what is he saying? I'm being, I'm, I'm being what? I'm being bold about the work that God has done um, through me within the lives of the the Gentiles. This is not, <clears throat> hey, look what I've done. Hey, look at, look at, look at we've built. Um, this is this is what God has done, and. Uh, I want the world to know to know that. Uh, verse 18 kind of picks that up for 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 I will not be bold to speak about anything except what Christ has accomplished, what Christ has accomplished through me to bring Gentiles to obedience uh, by word and deed. Um, yeah, I, I I kind of made a note to myself. Um, I look at when I look at how God has led me over the years um, of ministry. You know, I look, I look at the whole of it and, and one of the things that I sometimes go back and look at was a moment in my life where um, I really had to wrestle with what what is God, what, where is God, what is he trying to do? What what is his will? And and I'll just say it real simply. Over a period of years, I had served in one city, Lincoln, and uh, watched God do some incredible things. But I reached a point where too often I would hear people talk about, oh, boy, Pastor Luke, you, you've done a great job here. Boy, look, look at what you've been able to build here. I would always say, whoa, 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 whoa. That's extremely dangerous language, and I can't receive it from you because I've done nothing here, zero, zippo. And here I had this, this call come from Texas. And I still remember really wrestling with it because um, I was very, very comfortable in Lincoln and um, knew, hey, look, there's some really good years that could lay ahead. Here's some dreams and ideas and so forth. And I remember sitting down with Ann, I said, no, you have to understand this, that if, if you leave here, and go anywhere. When you enter into this new place, you enter in as the enemy. And Anne says, what do you mean? Well, churches are families. They're family systems. And the way God wired me up, fortunately or unfortunately, is to be a change agent. So when I enter into any system, the way God has wired me up is, We are going to look at how God is calling us to change so that we can best fulfill the calling that God has given us. If you happen to be the change agent entering into a system that's been going on for a long time, um, you will become the enemy of that system. There's no question about it. It's not neutral, it's enemy. What, we've done this this way. This is how we do this. This is why we do it this way. And all of a sudden, here's this person going, let's, let's, let's change this. I did not want to live through that. I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, that is not good. But here, here's what was running through me again and again. And I think, think of this, just the Spirit of God. There's too many people that would look at me. Look what you've done here done nothing I said I think it's time to let let people let that go and move and we'll, we'll become the enemy it will not be easy it'll be hard it'll be very difficult but we'll grow we'll grow through it and uh, so I, when I look at these words I really understand them I mean here's here's a Paul I'm commending you for these things I but I've been bold with you and and here's why because God made me this minister to the Gentiles and now it's his time. Paul knows it's my time. I've, I'm going to be handing this thing off. And so I'm going to hand it off in a way that you all, we all recognize that the only reason that God has blessed what I've done is he's, he's the one who's done it. I've done nothing. I, I literally believe that. If you, if you meet, when you meet St. Paul in heaven uh, or on new earth, is where I expect him to be in, and, and you're walking, you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden, hey, hey, I'm Paul. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be the guy from the Damascus kind of. Day. Yes, I am. Imagine that moment. If you were to say to Paul in that moment, man, I can't. We look at all these churches you started and all these things. Paul would have just stop you in your tracks and say, I did nothing. Nothing. I'm just a vessel. We all are. And God chooses what we do and how we do it, and He worked through me and. So so Paul's able to be bold, I think, in part because he understands who he is and he understands who God is. It allows him to dump all of the human stuff that people try to, to put on top of you and, and live the way God called him to, fearlessly. Fearlessly for the sake of the gospel, believing every step of the way that God has called us to boldly take this message out. And he's changing the lives of Gentiles. Look what he's done to these Gentiles. He has brought them under the hearing of God's word. We use the term obedience, right? So that they're, they're living under the word and even their deeds have been, have been changed. Go to verse 19. How did the spirit do it? By power, signs, wonders, the power of the spirit of God so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Elycrium, we're talking about Greece here I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ and the term fulfilled would be what again Play play filled up the gospel of Jesus Christ it's this picture, I've gone from Jerusalem the the house of the Jews Matthew chapter 10 go first to the lost house of, of Jerusalem what were we doing, filling up that house pouring in the gospel of Jesus Christ all the way into the world of the Greeks and the Gentiles, and we keep filling that up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's been my life, and it's, by the way, why I can be bold with you, because we've got a spirit who is bold. Verse 20, thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel. Um, I, I always look at that, I'm like, okay, what, what is that term? Well, the term is, and it's a long word, uh, philo temu menon. I told you it was long. Philo temu menon. Now here's, here's the way I would say it. So we translate it, and thus I make it my ambition. Um, if you hear philo, philos is what? Love. Right? Phileo to love. So when you, when you put it with uh, temao, which is the second verb here, what it means is I, I have loved with passion serving the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how I would translate it. I've loved with passion um, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But notice the way I've done it. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, Isaiah 52, verses 13 through 53, verse 12, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will will understand. Paul knew his role, and his role was missionary. He wasn't a pastor, Um, he wasn't Pastor Paul, he was apostle, that was his primary gift, and as an apostolic um, uh, leader of the church, he knew, "What, what is my role? I go here, and here, and here, and here, and here, and I go where God isn't known, and there's a fulfillment of what was already spoken back in the Old Testament, that the Gentiles now would begin to hear and see the person of Jesus Christ. So um, what Paul is doing is he's just speaking uh, his closing words now to the house church and uh, reminding them, I'm, I'm going to be handing the baton off. I want you to be as bold as, as God has allowed me to be in the preaching of this gospel and the filling up of the gospel um, here in Rome where uh, God has placed you. Um, verses 22 to 33, now he lets them understand um, how that handoff, so to speak, is going to occur. He says, on account of this, or this is the reason why, I have so often been hindered from coming to you. Okay. Church house in, in Rome, I've wanted to come to you a lot of times. But it hasn't been right. The Spirit has said to me no. Why? Because I have been going to places where Jesus' name has not been known. And um, so I've not been able to come. Do I want to come? Well, verse 23. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, um, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company uh, for a while. Um, so you can kind of sense this handoff, right? Paul says, here, I haven't been able to come to you. I've longed to. So here's my hope as I'm getting ready to go, come to Rome and, and die. My hope is I, I want to go to Spain, uh, and then I, I I'm called to go to Jerusalem, and then by way of Spain I will come to you and see you. Um, the reason behind Paul's movements, if if you've studied the Book of Acts, you know exactly what they are, right? What Paul is doing is he's he's been through through a lot of his. Um, um, a lot of the people who've served with him, collecting this offering for Jerusalem. right? And the offering that he's collected for them is to really help physically meet the needs of Jerusalem at a time of famine. And so he knows what I've got to do is, is get that offering to Jerusalem, but I also want to go to, to Spain. A question that a lot of people historic, historically ask is, you know, does Paul ever make it to Spain? And in fact, I would say the the majority of of what I'd call conservative historians would say yes, and not only that, but where our maps end, when you look at your map in your Bible of Paul's missionary journeys, there's three of them, right? So you you can kind of trace this around. What a lot of historians would say is there's a fourth non-mapped out part of his journey, and that fourth would encompass Spain. I agree with that. I mean, that was, his, that was his desire, was to go to Spain and then to bring this offering to uh, Jerusalem. He says, here's why I want to come to see you. This, this is really encouraging to me. Here's why I want to come to you. I'm Verse 24 again, I'm in passing as I go to Spain. I want to be helped on my journey there by you. Once I've enjoyed your company for a while. Here's what I really like about that. Again, the term here is not, uh, hey, I need your help. The term is, I'm coming to you to be filled up by you. It'll get me ready to go. What does that really look like? How does that happen? I'm coming to you to get filled up by you. Um, Here's what it doesn't look like, and I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest. It, it doesn't look like most of our pastors' conferences in, in our church body. You're really done. Here's why, I, conf- I go to a church conference, what happens at the conference? Part of it is we're human, Or are pastors, a human being, right? So you, you have people that you know and you meet up with, and hey, how are you doing, and how's your wife doing, and yeah, how are your kids doing, that kind of, that's just normal stuff. But here's what seems to be absent in my many years of ministry in those conferences, um, the sharing of the stories of what God is doing. Now, you may hear this, hey, we built this new building, congratulations. Or, um, hey, we called another pastor, congratulations. Here's what's missing. I want to just tell you some stories about what I've seen God do. It's always, it's always kind of just in my back of my mind, I'm like, what, what, what why is that? I mean, God's got to be working, right? Why the lack of those stories? I don't know, but I know this. That's, that is what this looks like. Paul wants to get filled up with what? Stories. You're the house church. What's been going on here? And all of a sudden, you're going to sit down, and he's going to get filled up. Hey, let me tell you what God's been doing here you would not believe this here's these people that have come to jesus christ here's this woman who's married to this this roman centurion and and you know there's no way the centurion is going to come to jesus christ he hates he hates religion he's been dealing with jews you know his entire life and all of a sudden his wife comes to know jesus christ and then through her He comes to know Jesus Christ, and everybody's like, there's no way that guy can come to know Jesus Christ. And he's a centurion, and he starts talking to people that are part of his regiment. Now this person came to Christ, and this person came to Christ, and this person came to Christ. And now we've got this house church over here, and they're all Gentiles. You would not believe what God is doing. That is what Paul is hungry for, is to hear stories about what God is doing. That will send me away, filled up as I go into Spain, because I'm Paul and I know something. I talked to Agabus. I'm going to die. It's my time. And he knows it. And then he says, at present, however, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and bring aid to the saints. I'm watching our time because we're going to run out of it. But I want you to just note this, verse 26. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem for they were pleased to do it and indeed they owe it to them why is that significant? what makes that significant? Um, again our ears or our eyes may not point that, pick this up but I, I want you to just listen to these words again For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor amongst the saints at Jerusalem. Jerusalem is what? Primarily Jew or Gentile? It's Jewish, right? How about Macedonia and Achaia? Yeah. Do you remember in Acts chapter 20, 21 where Paul receives the Macedonian call and God says, I want you to go to Macedonia? That's Greece. And uh, so now we're going to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Gentiles. What do the Jews think? Are they, are they, were they thumbs up about that? No, the Jews are like, what, what's wrong with the, this guy right here? Somebody needs to stop him. Somebody needs to kill him. Well, we tried to kill him. We put him in jail. We tried to kill him. Every time we tried to kill him, the guy st- seems to pop back up. And now he goes over there to, to Achaia and to Macedonia. And now there's more. Guess what? They're Gentiles. They're becoming Christians. Here, this just makes me shiver inside. This makes me shiver inside. Macedonia and Achaia have said, we want to give of ourselves to the Jews in Jerusalem. We want to serve them. We want to serve them. In fact, just try this. We'll we'll start to close on this, but you have to see this because it's just amazing to me. Go to 2 Corinthians um, chapter 8. I just want you to see these words before we leave today because they really just hit me. Uh, in a powerful, powerful way, Second Corinthians chapter eight. Well, just look at these words. This is while Paul is collecting the dollars that will go to Jerusalem. That's when. That's the context of Second Corinthians eight. Here's what he says: We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction. Their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So it's not as though the Gentiles in Macedonia were loaded with cash and said, hey, uh, I, guess, I guess they're having this collection for people in Jerusalem, you know, those guys over there in Jerusalem that hate us. So uh, I guess what we should do is we've got, a over, we've got a lot of money, so let's just put a few bucks in the coffer. No. Here's what it says is the church of Macedonia themselves were going through a severe test and were in poverty and all of a sudden, you know, the the guy comes by with the plate almost embarrassingly like, well, I know you guys probably, probably need to take money out of the plate. And the people of Macedonia say, no, no. These are our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. It's our desire to serve them. And so what a picture of how God works. And if you have any doubt, church in Rome, about the power of the Spirit of God, just look into Macedonia and see what's happening. Is They, they, they actually became a model for what it means to, to, to give because they gave out of affliction and testing above and beyond anything we ever expected. And now that, those dollars are going to serve the saints in Jerusalem. And it says they were pleased to do so. And indeed, they owe it to them. What do you mean, owe it to them? Well, they know that they received the gospel of Jesus Christ through them. And uh, uh, so there, there's a sense in which they would say, oh, no, we, we, we owe it to the church in Jerusalem. We desire for them to have it. Um, and then it says, then he closes off that verse, for if the Gentiles have come to share... In their spiritual blessings they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings and uh, that that's where we'll end today but I want you to just have that picture with you today of a, of a of a Paul getting ready to hand off that baton preparing this church to move forward and at the heart at the heart of it is this word I want you to be bold no no pulling back the Gentiles you can see what God's doing amongst them it's been my life. I'm going to go to Spain. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to die. And uh, I want that same boldness that's been in me to be in you. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, close out this morning, just uh, thank you again for words that remind us of who we are. By way of reminder, Paul says, I'm going to be bold. And he has been through this entire letter. He has parakaleo pointed the people of Rome to their calling and Lord, if we can't get that, if we cannot understand that our lives are about a calling and Lord in that calling that you work through us like you work through a vessel we're just vessels but we get the privilege to see you work faith in the lives of people who don't have faith Lord, that's, that's really what it's about and so Lord, let us be bold in this hour in which we live towards bringing people who do not know you into a relationship with you. Not us, but your spirit through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.